0: There is one significant change in how we police this country that both Democrats and Republicans and people from virtually all backgrounds agree on. I want to talk to you about it today. Let me unpack and explain it. There's one thing we can all agree on for sure. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the Breakdown. The the, 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 Breakdown. The breakdown. The breakdown. I want to tell you a story that I see happen virtually every single day. And because people now know me as somebody who speaks out and organizes around the issue of police brutality, every single day I get countless. Emails, text messages, DMs, phone calls from people who have already experienced horrible cases of police brutality or police misconduct, or or they've been wrongly arrested or, or wrongly convicted. And just a few weeks ago, uh, in Baltimore, something happened that unfortunately probably happens several hundred times per day, actually. And yes, I'm not misspeaking there. In this country, there are over 100 million calls to 911 just in America's largest cities. And a huge percentage of those calls are mental health calls. And early on the morning of July 1st this month, a woman in Baltimore called 911 to report that her son-in-law was suffering a mental health emergency. He was having a crisis. She told the 911 operator that her son-in-law had been diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. She explained this, and she said she just needed help. And because we are the incarceration nation, because this is the United States of America and there's a certain way that we do things, this young man who needed help, this family who needed help. They didn't get knocked. They didn't get doctors or nurses or mental health experts. They got police with guns. And we can blame people for calling 911, but in most cities, in most counties, in most states, there's not an alternative. So officers responded to the scene. They finally got to the house at 3.30 in the morning where they found the 33-year-old son-in-law clearly in distress. And body camera footage from the scene shows that the man was clearly upset that police were allowed to enter into the house. It really only escalated the situation. And police, when I viewed the body camera footage, police who didn't really appear to understand how to interact with a man with such a diagnosis, began trying to coax him out of the house, which only made it worse. And within a few moments, as they try to basically pull this man out of the basement, police officers opened fire. They struck the young man multiple times, and he barely survived. This is one of those shootings where, thankfully, and it, it sounds crazy to be thankful that you got shot by police and survived. He barely survived the shooting. And incidents like this play out all over the country, in every single city, in every single state, often with much more tragic endings. And according to most estimates, at least 25% of people who are shot and killed by police, are suffering in that moment from acute mental illness right there at the time of shooting. At least 25%. Several states have said in their state the number is over 50%. As many as half of all people killed by law enforcement are believed to have some type of disability. Can you believe that? What we are talking about, we're talking about half of all police shootings and killings involve people with some measure of disability. And that's not all. You remember the case of Rayshard Brooks in Atlanta? Police killed him in June after being called because Rayshard was allegedly intoxicated in a police car. He he literally, if he was actually intoxicated, he literally just needed help. Yet, as clear as it's become that police present a deadly hazard to people who are under the influence or who are undergoing a mental health crisis, the vast majority of American cities continue to rely on police as first responders to these sorts of incidents. And it's long past time that we rethink our approach, that we reimagine public safety when it comes to mental health, when it comes to substance abuse, and anything connected to them, including people who, who may be impaired or disabled. And there is almost universal agreement that that system that handles people who are particularly suffering through a mental health emergency, truly, truly needs to be completely dismantled and reintroduced outside of American police departments. So today I'm going to talk to us about a solution that cuts police largely out of this equation and instead relies on an independent group of non-law enforcement first responders who are specially trained to deal with these situations. It's going to save lives, it's going to save a ton of money, and it's going to help us create a system that is truly designed to help people, not just punish, control, and even kill them. Let me break it down. Break it down. The nationwide protests over police brutality that have taken place this summer have really centered a lot around the idea that we need to drastically reduce the overall footprint of police. And activists around the country have already started to win some very significant victories. We've seen some concrete action toward defunding the police in some cities and some of those battles are still are still underway others have taken bold steps to remove police from schools in an effort to cut the school to prison pipeline that has just ravaged black and brown communities for generations but despite this momentum many people still seem resistant to this idea of defunding the police And I think it's largely because Americans have become so conditioned to seeing police as the answer to every problem, so much so that it's hard for a lot of people to imagine who would respond to our problems if not the police. And it turns out we already have some good answers to this question. We just have to start putting them into place. One essential alternative to police are non-law enforcement first responders that I was just talking about at the start of the episode. American police officers are sincerely asked to do way too much, plain and simple. Now, I've already talked about this before on, on this podcast. They openly accepted all of these responsibilities. And in many cases, their police unions actually lobbied for more responsibilities. They wanted more pay. They wanted more work. They wanted more police. And in doing so, in American cities all over the country, police now have more responsibilities and more work than they would ever be competent or capable to actually undertake. And here's the thing. We all know that cops are not medical professionals. We all know they're not social workers. Yet day in and day out, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of times a day, they're asked to respond to situations that they aren't trained or equipped to handle And they never will be. It's not what they do. So rather than expecting police to continue expanding their tool set, like, okay, we should train police to be medical first responders. We should train police to be social workers. No, we have medical personnel who can be medical personnel. We have social workers who can do social work. And so instead of police expanding their tool set, which often for them, and this is not hyperbole, means that they attend a two-hour or four-hour workshop, which is sometimes just a, um, a a video that they watch on the computer at home, and they have to take a little quiz afterwards, and it's like, oh, you got your medical certificate. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like, this is literally what they do. It's like, yes, I've been trained in this type of medical procedure. It's like, no, dude, you just watched the video and barely passed the quiz. There are people who have degrees, multiple degrees, in how to approach people that are having mental health emergencies. It's what they're trained to do. Most police receive the most training in shooting their guns. Literally, it is almost universally the thing that they are trained the most in. And guess what? It's what they primarily do. And so if we want police to, to do some type of job that they are actually skilled and trained to do, it doesn't need to be mental health work. It doesn't need to be work around substance abuse, and it also doesn't need to be around homelessness. I don't know if you saw this heartbreaking video that I just posted on my Instagram where an NYPD officer just brutally begins punching this homeless man on the subway uh, who was known to be a—this homeless man was known to be a sweet, kind soul and had literally just left the shelter and was on the train. And the officer just begins punching him in the face. It's, it's outrageous. My understanding is the officer, of course, is still on the force. And here's the thing. Study after study after study shows that the overwhelming majority of Americans want an alternative to police when it comes to homelessness, when it comes to mental health, and when it comes to substance abuse. And we can send trained experts who are trained in how to de escalate situations, who are trained in how to communicate with people who are suffering from mental illness, who are trained on how to connect to people in crisis so that they can get the resources they need to stabilize. And with cops no longer expected to spend their resources on dealing with these issues, which they deal with so ineffectively. We can simply take that money that is currently used for a huge percentage of 911 calls and police responses. We can take that money from police budgets and use it to fund a new group of non-law enforcement first responders. And cities and counties all over the country have already launched first responder programs that show us how successful the program can be. And I've talked about, I did a whole episode on this brilliant group in Oregon called CAHOOTS, that's Crisis Assistance Helping Out on the Streets. They've been in operation for decades, and they currently respond to nearly 20% of all 911 calls in that county. Now, Portland and Denver are also in the early stages of promising pilot programs. And the city of Austin has recently expanded its mobile crisis outreach team to include telehealth services to respond to mental and behavioral health crises. And here's the thing. These programs actually work. And the data shows that Americans want to see more of them. According to recent polling by Data for Progress and the Justice Collaborative Institute, 68% of likely voters support the creation of non-law enforcement emergency first responders. And 70% of likely voters support a non-police response when a family member calls 911 because of a mental health crisis. 70% of all people. That's Democrats and Republicans. And 65% of likely voters support a non-police response to a drug overdose. They just want people to come that are actually going to help. While there's clearly still some skepticism about this phrase, defund the police, it turns out, That lots of people understand that the current system of policing is highly ineffective. And in many cases, it's outright dangerous. Non law enforcement emergency first responders are a reminder that defunding the police doesn't mean embracing chaos. It doesn't mean leaving us to fend for ourselves. It simply means reprioritizing our spending to focus on more appropriate responses to problems, responses that are designed to actually help people without resorting to arrest, without resorting to violence, and far too often without resorting to killing somebody. Let's go back to that story out of Baltimore that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. It makes me sad, and it should make all of us sad, to think about that poor family, the woman who needed help and didn't know where to turn, and her son-in-law, who was clearly in crisis. Maybe she was aware, probably she was aware, of the risk of calling the police to that sort of situation. Maybe she wasn't. Either way, she called the police because who else was she supposed to call? We need an alternative. As we continue to have this conversation about reimagining what policing looks like in America, it's critical that we give people options in scenarios like this. The system should not force people to choose between dealing with these issues in silence, which is actually what millions and millions. Of African Americans do every single day who just refuse to call 911 no matter what. Even if your home is broken into, even if you have a car accident, even if you are in a serious emergency, literally ask any black person you know. Folk are highly resistant and hesitant, including my own family, to ever calling 911. It's a, I mean, I I mean, I I don't. I would never want to call. I would even to this day, of course, because of the critiques I have of police. My family is super afraid to ever call nine one one. But most black families are like that. Most immigrant, particularly undocumented immigrant families, they'll never call nine one one. They don't want the police to show up. They don't. They don't want to be to be brutalized or harassed in any kind of way. And so nine one one ends up basically functioning. Um, like a, you know, a, a hotline for the problems of white Americans. And when everybody else calls, they know it might cause real problems. And as we continue to think about how we can do this better, we need to build smart alternatives. We have to do better. And I am cautiously optimistic in saying that I think we finally may be heading on the right path let's keep pushing forward take care everybody break it down break it down break it down break it down hey everybody i want to tell you about a brand new podcast that I love a lot, and it's not because there's a woman that I love who is the co-host, my dear wife, Ray, but she is co-hosting a brilliant, important, essential podcast called Woke at Work with Dr. Blanca Ruiz. It's an amazing podcast about women of color in the workplace and all of the unique challenges and opportunities and sophistications and they have brilliant interviews and they unpack the myriad of issues of what it really means to be a woman of color in leadership in the workplace and so much more you spell it w-o-c at work w-o-c at work women of color at work search it it's on all of the platforms now it's getting amazing reviews and i want you to check it out Break it down break the break the break the break, break.